and we are now live. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Beast Motor Tech Tuesday show. I'm here in the Beast Motor headquarters with the 158th episode of the Beast Motor Tech Tuesday. That's 158 episodes back to back every Tuesday, unfailingly without challenge. And for those of you on YouTube, thank you for allowing me to use this as an archive moment. And for those on all the podcast networks, whether it's Google Podcasting, Apple Podcasts, um, Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, thank you, thank you so much. One of 5,000, good afternoon. Afi A. Bo, hello indeed. I am doing well, J. Ken, 5482, hope you're doing great. Torque, GDSTI, greetings indeed. Only four minutes late, says Kovot. <laughs> Actually, three, get it right. Um, hello, Honda V, it's good seeing you indeed. Uh, Kovot is keeping tabs on me on my, on my accuracy for uh, tardiness, or lack thereof. But uh, honestly, Kovot, Fabian's back there, he can attest to this. I left my phone up front, came back here like, where's my phone? Ah! And I had to go find it. So, hello, Josh Wonderberg, good seeing you. I'm doing well, Stone Kepler, greetings indeed. Wolverine, 4-2, good seeing you. Good afternoon, Acra Days. Hey, Nate, I am back indeed. J-Rock, 860, one of 5,000, ask away. He said he has a question, I am here to help. Um, it's really, this is a way for me to give back to this country and how great it's been to me. Um, so much wonderful things have been happening, so many great bills behind me, so much great opportunity, and it's, it's quite, quite fascinating recently. Hello, Honda VE, once again. Um, thank you for the kind words. How's your name? Is H-Roll, 3R. Hello, Sam. Sam is here. Sam from Rothfab, very talented fabricator and good friend who's helped me with many projects, including the K3V there. And Sam is just absolutely amazing and someone who I have learned so much from and has been an integral part of my team for many years and I love him very much. Uyparse, good seeing you indeed. Richard LBC, good afternoon. I'm doing great, Will Whiplash. Hansel SS, please ask away. I am here. Um, I saw the video of the portion behind you starting up. It sounded great, says Josh Wonderbread. Thank you so much. Yes, this is my new addition to the Beast Motor family. It's the Porsche 935 M16, quite different from the K3 back there. This blue M16 is actually quite longer than that by a good foot plus. It's a little bit wider as well. A lot more aggressive in terms of the roof line, in terms of aerodynamics. It has dual headlights instead of a single and a much longer nose on it as well. So this is the American version of the answer to what Kramer in Germany did with that in regard to 935's racing in group five. Real Whiplash asking, are you a Porsche guy? I am more of a car guy. Call me the Jay Leno of tuning. I love all type of vehicles. I'm not partial. I mean, I am partial to Nissans and Mitsubishis. Yeah, he's John's over here laughing at me. Uh, but I love all cars. If you can go fast and have fun, whether it's a particular brand or whether it's based upon petrol or diesel or E85 or electric, it doesn't matter. I love them all, you know? Can you explain today, Bridge and Forge? I hope I spelled it great. Um, Bridge and Forge, yeah. Bridge and Forge is a wheel company that supports me on my projects. So these are a team of engineers who originated in Canada, engineers and, and designers and craftsmen who were in Canada and came down to the United States. They're now in Beverly Hills, California, and they are extremely creative. And not only creative, they make sure their wheels can you know, withstand the abuse that I put to them. So I know the guys from DDE use them, Daily Driven Exotics. Also, right there, that is the K3V that has it. The M16 has it, and we have some more in the works with those as well. Yep, BC Leno, J-Rock, absolutely, sir. 
what kind of brand, brand tools do you use? I've been using a lot of Wera tools recently, which is great. Um, they're based in Germany as well, um, and they have some really cool stuff. Even, I don't know if you can see that, but right there, forgive me on, on YouTube, right there on YouTube and right there for you on Instagram is Wera, or right there on the K3V. They have some really high-end tools that are very vote protecting, meaning that I can withstand shock, not that I want to, with my high voltage systems and using that very nicely, you know? Seventh Ward 66 says, um, got him to EV. It's, it's my goal that I would love to get more people into the clean, torque mad EV well, EV life, which is pretty nice, you know? We're gonna have some really cool stuff for you. Thank you so much, AK Build Performance. I look forward to seeing what you have there. Uh, is that automotive KMD? <laughs> have you changed your name? You know? Um, I'd like to see a bit of Baja Pre Runner. That would be really something different. I wouldn't mind doing something different like that. That would be pretty good, eh? Could I throw a forms, particularly the ones that could fit an Aerodisc, onto my 987 Acro Integra? So, Josh, I think that Brian and his team could make something bespoke for you. So, I don't know if it's a matter of just taking something and adding on, but if they can't help you, I'm sure the guys at Brixton Forge can, and better yet, if you want some really cool Aerodisc, D-Ling Designs make some cool stuff too, and they're out in Belgium, and they're here on Instagram. D-Ling, D-L-N-G Designs, really good, you know? Gonna build a sweet 4x4 911. That would be really cool. It seems to be a really hot thing nowadays to have some fun with Safari 911s, which would be good. Webcam is here. Thank you so much. Webcam is a company that's near and dear to me. They do everything from street to high performance motorsports applications. And I run those cams in this beautiful 935 behind me. Oh, thank you so much, TBO. Love you as well. Appreciate the kind of work. Hello, Wago Zach, who just picked up a beautiful right-hand drive shuttle, which is amazing. You know, your car looks so awesome. And I just can't wait to be able to cruise out with you and do this little wagon meet and have some fun, you know? Can you make my Velocity N gain 300 horsepower? Yes, I can do that by replacing the engine with one from a Genesis Coupe 3.8 V6 Lambda. You can do that. Yo, where is the electric? Right there. The electric is right there next to the petrol one. Are you going to build a uh, build biology with the Petro 935? It's totally up to Hoonigan. So I just saw those guys two weeks ago when we were out in Button Willow with the K3V. And I told them what I was building. And I think first Larry needs to come experience it. And then after that, we'll see what we can do. But I'd love to do that, indeed, you know? What engine is in the van? I forget, says 7 Ward 666. Well, the van is right there. And it has a J35Y engine in it, you know? Sockhand Block EV, looks like there's a lot of work still to be done for drifting. Yeah, you know, all of this is new to a lot of us. So it's almost the wild, wild west when it comes to EV technology. Petrol engines have had a good 100 years head start over them. So I'm not surprised. But when he does have it dialed in, ooh, it's going to be bananas, you know? Are these your cars, says Sebastian Collin? Yes, they are. So right behind me, the blue one is Oz. The pink and gray is Oz. That up there is Oz. The gold one is from Mattel, which I need to deliver. The Audi in front of R8 is not mine, this customer's car. The van is ours. There's Miggy's DSM right there, that's not mine. That red, there's a red 935 in front of the blue one, that's not mine. Um, some are, but it's a mixture of mine and, and the customer cars, you know? BC, what mouse did you use on the Odyssey build? So one of 5,000, I had the guys from Hasport making something bespoke. So if you talk to Brian Gillespie at Hasport, he may still have something around. Or he may be able to produce something for you that you can move around and have fun, you know? If your cars won't come to Fast and Furious 9, I'm not watching. Okay, well, it's up to the studio to give us a call, which would be fantastic, you know? 
JK says, hey, sir, are you able to 13 compression ratio on a non-VTEC B20 using 94 octane fuel? Um, you can, but you have to run very, very large cams to keep your dynamic compression low. I'm curious to why would you want to run such a high side compression on 94 octane, especially since it brings a tuning window quite narrower. Um, that being said, ah, you... Um, it would be better for tuning window an opportunity to maybe run closer to 12 to 1. But if you insist on running that high compression, yes, you can do that with camshafts, by all means, you know? Yeah, please do. Um, cars are great and girls, says HRC Tech, one, two, three. Believe it or not, you build the cool cars, you get the girls. So it's kind of, you're probably right, because that one leads to another. Anyway, I digress. So, something I want to talk to you guys about today was, I wanted to have the opportunity to talk about turbocharging and heat exchange. So up there, there's a little Cayman S right there, twin turbocharged, that's an air-to-air -air intercooler. The one up top here has a liquid-to-air, you see that right there is a liquid-to-air intercooler by Spirico, Division of Turbonetics. And what are some of the differences? I talked a little bit about this with my good friend Miguel yesterday, and we talked about some of the advantages and disadvantages of one versus the other. And I want to use the opportunity to talk to you guys about that. And before I do that, I see a question comes from uh, Damn it, Joanna. BC, how did I go about surprising my boyfriend with you for Christmas? It's kind of tough nowadays with the whole COVID thing going on, but uh, let's see how the environment changes itself. Go ahead and send me a DM, and if you guys are local, maybe something cool will happen. Even if it's just a remote greeting, maybe that's something I can do for you, you know? So, um, that being said, uh, my pleasure, HRC Tech123. Love you as well. Intercoolers. Air-to-air intercoolers are there and liquid to air intercoolers are there. And what are some of the advantages and disadvantages and why do we even have intercoolers? Now think about it. The way to get, and I talk about this a lot, the way to get power into an internal combustion engine is by forcing or allowing as much air as possible to the engine for combustion, of course with a higher density of oxygen. And oxygen is only about 21% of the air we breathe. So the more oxygen you can cram into the engine and ignite it with the same appropriate amount of fuel, the more power you can make. So we do that by porting heads and larger camshafts and free-flowing intake manifolds and free-flowing intakes. We want all these great things to allow the engine to breathe better, to get more oxygen into it, to allow for combustion and more heat and more power. Same thing happens when we're supercharging or turbocharging or even using a chemical supercharger like nitrous. We're actually increasing the concentration of oxygen being ingested by the engine, hence making more power. So why do we need intercoolers? Well, you guys may know this for those of you who are engineers or physics majors. You may have heard of Charles' law where as a gas is compressed, there's a direct proportion gain in temperatures. So there's a direct proportion between the temperature rise and also compression or pressurizing of a gas. So that means that when we're trying to compress this air to create more power potential and ram it into our engines, the temperature automatically goes up by the same factor. We have to cool that down to prevent pre-ignition. We have to cool it down to allow us to have a safer tune. We have to cool it down to have a more denser intake charge to make more, more, more power. Hence, the intercooler exists. Now, that being said, air passes through this large heat exchanger, which has tons of fins, which allows for larger uh, heat exchange area. And as air passes by it, it exchanges heat with the air flowing through it and allows the intake air on the other side to be cooler. Now, one thing I've noticed is that um, depending on the design of the heat exchanger, the size of the heat exchanger, you kind of don't want to go too big because you can have a big pressure drop. I mean, the pressure coming in could be much higher than the pressure going out, and that's not very good for boost opportunities and power and all that fun stuff. 
So you want to size it as small as possible to allow you to have a heat exchange. And I have this rule of thumb where I want to remain within 20 degrees of ambient. So if it's, 20 de if it's 80 degrees outside, I don't want to get hotter than 80 plus 20, which is 100 degrees in my engine. And if so, I have to redesign it. So that being said, whenever I'm above 20, I redesign the intercooler, go larger, or change the shape, or change whatever the case may be. Now, what's the deal with liquid to air? Liquid to air has a better heat exchange mechanism, meaning instead of using air to flow through, we now have these veins where your intake air, hot side comes in, and water or a fluid is the medium for heat exchange. And the fluids can really conduct heat very nicely, much better, and pull it away. And then you have another heat exchanger outside in front of the car that exchanges heat with that uh, via air, then you're good to go, and all that fun stuff, it keeps going with a pump. And what I've seen, and particularly on that gold car right there, is no matter what the temperatures are, no matter how much boost I throw at this thing, I am at ambient, which means if I'm 80 degrees outside, I'm 80 degrees in my motor, which the engines love, much cooler. The challenge with liquid to air is it is a bit more complex. So that being said, you have to add the pump and the fluid, and you have the heat exchanger in the rear, like that right there, and you have another heat exchanger in the front, which I'm using a GT3 one from CSF. So it's a little bit more complex, but the efficiency and the gains are very nice. Also add some weight. While an air-to-air, -air, like what's on the DSM back there, is very simple, very straightforward. You bolt it on, air in, you drive through, air out. Also, one of the things I do like is um, you can, if you want to be very clever, you can have a container. I can even do it with this. You can shove ice into your liquid air, and you can go below ambient. How crazy is that? It makes tons of power. Thank you, Dad. I appreciate the kind words, sharing that this Porsche looks sick. Um, and that is why PS5 is better than the Xbox liquid cooling. <laughs> Oh my goodness, I think it's a little bit more than that, but appreciate that nonetheless. Appreciate that indeed. Thank you, Jay Norsworthy. Have I ever owned a rotary, says Jay Bold? No, I have not. I do appreciate and admire Wankel engines. I like the simplicity of them. I like the fact that it has much less moving parts. As far as I'm concerned, they sound pretty good. I also love the fact that if you want to increase the performance, all you have to do is a little bit of porting. You can have a standard port, you can have a street port, you can have a bridge port, and a peripheral port all out. You can add segments, and for the size, it can make more power than many V8s. You still have 20B. That thing was a monster. I think in some certain IMSA classes, they were banned, right? So those things are amazing, you know? Did I see that blue car on someone's Instagram? You probably did. I've been posting like crazy, and other people have been posting as well. We launched this a couple of weeks ago in the Toyota Tread Pass. It's a 935 M16 petrol with liquid air intercooling, um, flex fuel, dry-by-wire, CAN bus communication. I even upgraded the CAN bus system as recently as last night, I had an older version of the CAMBUS system in there for communication. I updated something much newer, more motorsport, which is great. Saved me a lot of weight and a lot of complexity and much easy to program, which is pretty nice indeed. Good afternoon to you, GWTIO. How much does a small setup cost for low power on boost? So it depends on what application. You know, of course, the more complex the application, the more less cost effective, I should say it is. So if you're doing something on an inline 4D series, it may be quite simple, components that are really available. Or are you doing something on a twin-turbo V8 engine? It depends. Are you doing something on a flat-six engine? It depends. So give me some more things to chew on. Give me some more information, and maybe I can help you do that. Huh? I can help come up, give you a bit of a ballpark. Uh, let's see. I've seen someone put a tiny intercooler right in front of the intake, but it wasn't called an intercooler. Do you know anything about that, BC? So some of them are. You know, if you look at what some of the, let's see, Paxton is one in particular, where they have these liquid air intercoolers, um, and PRL does some stuff like, not P, um, P, PRL, 
PLR does something like that as well, uh, PWR, PWR, where they have these either barrel style or box style intercoolers, and they have liquid going in coming out, and it goes right in the intake from the supercharger to the throttle body. Has a very short path, so it allows for you know very nice boost capability. You don't have that much loss of spool, and it is also a liquid to air. It's also a heat exchanger as well. You know, then just starts as eBay turbos are trash. They are. It's, it's so weird. Of I've had cars come here to tune on those eBay turbos, and you start the car up, and the veins don't even turn. The, the compressor wheel doesn't even move, and you rev it, it kind of turns slowly. It's kind of weird. I had one guy, one person, you can hear his voice, maybe he's up there, who had some success with eBay Turbo for a period of time, but he finally went out on it. Finally did, you know? Show us the beautiful 356 you're converting to EV. It's in that showroom over there. And what I would do, I promise you, as we start going to town on this, because I'm going to start on it mid next month, I will document and bring you guys along with the ride. So if you don't have, or you haven't had the opportunity to follow me on the BC Moto YouTube channel, please do go on YouTube. Look for Bisimoto, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so whenever I put out some cool videos, you're notified immediately, you know? Are there any resources you recommend for learning and understanding bus systems, CAN, MOS, LIN, etc.? Believe it or not, two things. Lots of reading, I've done a lot of reading on the internet, and also interacting with communication engineers, individuals who are in the EE field where this is their expertise. I've learned a lot from those individuals and they've pointed me in the right direction and now I'm very comfortable and learning quite a bit every day and even on the DBC file situation, I can now write my own code for that and have my communication addresses so I can send things back and forth. The only thing I don't have is a sniffer, which I need to invest in one very soon. I would do it, you know? Will you do a drug race between the both 935s? You know, would it be fair? That would be a very interesting race because I think that would take it out the hole. But how much power am I going to push through this? We'll see. Because that makes 636 an amazing torque. This one, I haven't even, I'm not even done yet. So, huh, let me finish tuning this and then maybe we'll make something like that happen, you know? Went to Petla this weekend and I'm hooked on Porsches. Good, I'm telling you, those guys know what they're doing. That's exactly what Petla wants. Petla is the Porsche um, um, Experience Center in Los Angeles, better yet in Carson, California. And you go there, you can go on the track. I mean, I had, the last time I was there about a month and a half ago, I really had a new respect for the Cayenne. You say, okay, Kaya, what's the big deal? We did some off-roading stuff that most Jeeps can't do, and this thing did it, and it's a luxurious Porsche Cayenne. I am shocked. I am shocked. But they have a slalom there, they have a racetrack, they have a skid pad, they all got a cool stuff, a drift area. It's, if you haven't experienced it, guys, do it once, and you get hooked on the brand. It's an amazing brand. I love their engineering, indeed, you know? If I bring my D16A1 head and transmission, could you build it? It would just be better to put out a ZC twin cam head on my D16A1. Um, believe it or not, when you compare the A1 head and the ZC dual cam, it's the same thing. The castings are the same. So by swapping over, you're not gaining anything. Um, what I noticed with the ZC is that the cams are slightly more aggressive from factory, but when you modify both, it's the same. So that wouldn't do anything like that. Um, we could possibly help. Hopefully you're not in a huge hurry because we're kind of booked through the end of the year. But we may be able to assist you, by all means. Is there an old computer necessary to tune an old car? It depends how old you're speaking of. So through the generations, there's so many things. There are very old vehicles, like, you know, in the 90s, early 90s, where you can have to change the chip itself to be able to do that. You can burn a different chip. You can have the ones where you have OBD2, where you can go to OBD2, or you may have to bench flash them to tune. Or what I typically do, even with these older cars that are from the 70s and 80s, I just rip everything out and put a full stand So it can be done, depending, you know? 
what do you think is the best car for tuning? So if you mean simplicity in being able to tune, you can't go wrong with the new Civic SIs from Honda, getting a Honda or K200 and going to town. Okay, they're very, very easy to learn, easy. And you can do quite a bit of stuff with it. Some people take full advantage of people, but you can totally do that. If you talk about um, the best to tune in terms of engine management solutions, I am really partial for standalones to the AM Infinity because it offers me a motorsport quality, high performance ECU at a sportsman price. And I don't have to pay for upgrades. I don't have to pay to unlock certain things. Whether it's dual drive-by-wire or, 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 or wideband capabilities or knock or closed loop functions for wideband functionality as well or individual cylinder knock tuning or, you know, the boost control, all that is already open, included, you know? London Car Chases, hello from the UK. How do I start with EV? So as a customer, as a builder, let me know. Kevin, shame on you saying, Kevin said VAFC. Can you believe that, Daryl? VAFC. <laughs> See, Daryl's laughing at you, Kevin. Oh, Kevin, by the way, I need a price from you because I, I have a gearbox that needs to be put together, B-Series, so I need a price from you on how much to assemble that gearbox for me. Kevin's a good friend. He actually assembled the gearbox on the wagon and did a smashing job. Smashing, I'm shocked. I did it right in front of me, it's great, you know? Anyway, as a builder, okay, so London, that's the, I'll share with you what I did. I partnered with individuals that some knew what they were talking about, some didn't. Um, but I had a working knowledge of everything mechanical, like you mentioned, I want to get into mechanics. I also have a working knowledge of engineering concepts and EE concepts as well. But I elected, you know, people from, let's say, EV West, spoke to Michael Breen there, spoke to Mitch Peterson, who was with uh, Friday Future, spoke to Andrew Darut from Karma, um, you know, spoke to quite a few people about their experiences. And one thing I noticed that in the EV world, there are a lot of misconceptions out there. There are a lot of, you know, opinions, a lot of people keeping cars close to their chest. There are a lot going on out there. So, but if you're able to interact with people who are very responsible and, and prestigious and better yet have a working knowledge who really understand the EV concepts and then be able, especially on the OEM side, you can apply that towards your EV build and have a great time. For this right there, I listened to a lot of people. I did a lot of things. I made a lot of mistakes. I listened to people, thought they were getting the best stuff. I didn't. That car where it was launched at SEMA is not what it is today. I've thrown out so many things and revamped so many things and improved so many things and now I have a much better life, you know, knowledge. It was a very expensive excursion for me, but now my customers are benefiting from that. So that being said, yes. Do you still have your CRX, says Josh Wonderbread? No, I do not. Believe it or not, the gentleman who I'm going to have Kevin do his gearbox is a person I sold my CRX to who promised to put on the track and that's why I sold to them and it still hasn't been on track. It's been almost... A decade. It's really kind of sad, you know? You want to build a car? That'd be good. Now, does someone you have in your vicinity, Lunas Cars, Lunas, they're here on, Lunas Design is here on Instagram. Look them up. They're in your area. Maybe you can get a job working with them or something like that, um, but you can learn a lot and then you guys can be partners or do some cool stuff, but they know what they're doing over there, you know? Iggy Cloud says we need more Honda content. Guess what? I have a lot going on. I launched a video recently, um, yesterday actually, about uh, a misconception that existed in the, in the Honda world with the 10 Gen Civics. And yes, I love doing content like that. Even though I put that content up and some people appreciate it, that some individuals 
um, tried to argue with me, not by sharing with me that here their thoughts on what is actually happening physically, but by bashing me. So that kind of makes me feel weird about doing more Honda stuff. It's kind of weird. Just, the brand is great, the engineering is fantastic, but some of the individuals in the Honda scene are very poor individuals, poor in character, and make up stuff and lie and just dishonest. So that's not something I really like to embrace too much. I love embracing positivity and doing great things and being out there and just being absolutely fantastic and building cool cars. I just love that. Even with a manufacturer, we did a podcast with American Honda yesterday, and we're going to be part of their development for the um, 11th Gen Civic. So that being said, it's great to have relationships with these OEMs and do great things behind the scenes that a lot of us, that I'm not even able to talk about, you know? But you will have more content coming, I promise you. I just don't like some of the individuals who are in the scene who are quite rude indeed, you know? Curious on the Wagon van, any full speed run videos? No, I've been too busy working. The van, the wagon is actually right there. Kevin gives me a hard time on it. So in front of this blue car is the red one. In front of that red car is the CRZ. In front of the CRZ is the wagon. So I haven't had a chance, you know? Please resurrect the inside. And the inside is in front of the wagon. I, I will, it's just, I'm one guy, there's so much to do. You know what's crazy, guys? You notice I haven't put a lot of um, tuning videos up. And the reason is not that I don't like videos. It's not that I don't like doing dino tunes, but I am so busy recently. I am so busy, you know, that I, I haven't had a chance. I just haven't had a chance to enjoy myself or do projects that are not above and beyond. I even had to shut down my tuning just to be able to catch up on these projects, you know? Then, um, Humble Performance says, on the video you made talking about BOVs, your short-term trends were 11, minus 15, 18. That is not the case, sir. What I'll do is I'll, I have a log of the, of the stuff and I'll pull it up and I'll show it to you. It's not 15, and nowhere near that. Now, even if um, on some engine management solutions, whenever you let off and the throttle blade closes, we have an opportunity where, guess what? We have a significant amount of fuel without any air following. And of course, fuel is much more denser than air. Oh, but I think you may know this, because I think you work on cars. So that being said, when the throttle blade closes, even on factory vehicles, we seem to see fuel trims trying to correct for that. Sometimes you can do some really clever things with fuel cut and not have that happen, but that's a natural thing that happens in some cars. But in the case of that, where I was stabbing and letting off, stabbing and letting off, I didn't see it at all. Absolutely not. And I have the log, and I'll share that with you guys maybe next week. Um, and guys, this is one of the things I talk about where you have um, some people in the scene who just will make up things. That is not what we saw here firsthand. It's really interesting, you know? Um, you don't have much time for the Rolls Royce, but what's your vision for it? What kind of stuff do you want to do? Um, I am making that a bit of a priority. So in between... Um, project cards for clients, my weekends will be dedicated to try and get that good and going. So my goal is to electrify that, to have at least 50 kilowatt hours of energy available to me. I want to have all creature comforts. I want it to look exactly how it looks now. Maybe a little bit more pretty, like, you know, some of the dents taken out and paint polish and all that fun stuff. But my goal is to make it absolutely fantastic. And um, I want all creature comforts in, in, in place there. So air conditioning, power steering, um, I kind of want to do something very clever with the suspension and update the brakes because the brakes are tied into the suspension and that seems to be a very popular failure point on those cars. So that being said, my goal with the Rose is to kind of update that, modernize it without killing the essence of the vehicle. That would be ideal. Um, Miguel, Miguel, will you put out the, um, the 930? Did you take the key out of the ignition? Of what? On the 930? Uh, Please take it out because I want to make sure that no one misbehaves, you know? Um, 
What is the max horsepower on the twin turbo Porsche? We will find out soon. I don't have that information yet. We will find out very soon. Oh, I don't speak Spanish. Forgive me, please. You're in Spain. Good seeing you. Um, can you walk around the blue 935? What I'll do is when I'll leave, I think I see Chris here from AEM, which is very nice. We'll do a walk around that. So I'll be able to show you quite a bit. It's pretty cool. After this, I promise I'll come back in and we'll do a nice walk around, which is pretty nice, you know? Um, when do you recommend investing in an oil cooler and why? Well, when I see temps start misbehaving, you know, I like to keep my temperatures in the low to mid 200s if possible. And when I start seeing my oil temps going past 220, I think it's time for me to start doing oil cooler, especially if I have the opportunity to, you know, um, track the car quite a bit, which is pretty nice, you know? Um, let's see here. Humble says, I'll send you a screenshot from your own video. Humble, that's great. It's not what I saw. And if so, as I mentioned, even on factory cars, if you take a factory car and then you stab it, especially some of the older ones, you see something similar even on natural aspirated cars. So the, the funny thing is, um, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, um, I see a lot of myths out there. And I try to debunk it. But there's a certain group of people who want to use scare tactics to put people in a position where they become popular, just based upon negativity. And sometimes I see those things and it hurts, the, it hurts the audience, it hurts the marketplace when I see those things. And that's why I do this Tech Tuesday and some other things to show people like, hey, some of the things people are saying is not true, it's not really rooted in any kind of data. There's no way in the world, for example, in this case, that you can put a blow-up valve on a 10th gen Civic and blow it up. It's just not possible. Or that Honda is all of a sudden did away with their map sensor and map sensor protocol combined together to keep things safe for the customers. And what a lot of people don't know about, and hopefully I'm at liberty to talk about this now because I couldn't before, is that we were part of the development team on the engineering side on the 10th Gen Civic. And part of also the marketing team, we, we, did, we were flown out to the Homestead Raceway um, in Florida where we tracked for days Type R's and Civic SI's. And three years before the 10th Gen came out, we were in sessions, both Heidi and I, discussing the technology around this car to come out. And I was curious, like, wait a minute, when did engineers change the, the, the control protocol? When did that happen? And when I saw this, I said, okay, may, let me keep an open mind. Let me find out if it's changed. Maybe something happened, and I need to find out why. American Honda, we made some calls. They sent us a car, sent a car here, and I did the test myself right here and found out, wait a minute, it's not true. Who's, what is the benefit of perpetuating this nonsense? And then when I put out the results, the same people come and attack me. Not that I come out with data that's solid to say, hey, this is what's happening and this is what's blowing your engines up. They don't say that. What they do is they try and find ways of calling me names and calling me all kinds of things and I don't understand that, you know? Hello, Dr. Arzuni. So once again, as I try to do more stuff with the Sport Compact market, I wish people would just look at data and not just chest thumping, which is really silly, and really question some of the data that's put out there. If anything, take what I say with a pinch of salt. Take what these other people are saying with a pinch of salt. Do your own test and see for yourself. It's, it's not true. And this comes from someone who was there at the ground level with Honda in the development of the car. That's all I can say. Um, hello, Fiat yeah, Detail, good seeing you. Hi, <laughs> Kevin, absolutely, Mythbusters Dyna Edition. Oh my goodness, you know. In the first engines, like the 944s with four inline four, how did it tune? Can they be less reliable? No, not at all. The, the thing about 944s, a lot of them weren't really maintained properly. You can have a lot of fun with those, especially with a proper engine management solution. But 
a lot of the engines we do with our interference motors, and we don't, it doesn't make it difficult to tune. It just means that if you skip a belt, a tooth belt, belt tooth, or a chain, you can have some catastrophic things happen, you know? What are your thoughts on the 5th gen, 6th gen Mitsubishi Evos? Miggy, I have a guy asking me what are my thoughts on the 5th and 6th gen Evos, Miggy. What? A gentleman just asked me, Desert Inc., what are your thoughts on the 5th and 6th gen Mitsubishi Evos? He's a 4G63 all-wheel drive. They're great. That's what Miggy, who's a DSM head, he, he loves that stuff. For me, I've had success not with those cars in particular, but the engines as their derivatives of what Hyundai has used in some of their power plants. And we made some really good power on those engines. Um, Hyundai did partner with Mitsubishi in its earlier life in terms of engine um, development. And based upon that, I've had cars make 600, 700 horsepower reliably using derivative components from the 4G63s and 4B11s. So I think they're pretty good. What do you think would be a great first-time buyer track car? It depends on your budget. So let's say on the low end, super low end, and you want something that's a lot of fun and that has a very strong following, the Mazda Miyav. Make them crazy. NAMB, really good. Let's say that you have a little bit more resources and you want something that's really a car you can flog around, extremely reliable and very nice. I love the Honda S2000. But let's say your budget is a little bit more generous. You cannot go wrong with that up on lift. The 987S, the Cayman S, which is amazing. But let's say you just had Buku bucks like this chap right here from AEM, Chris. Let's see, have money like Chris, okay? GT3 RS, that's the way to go. Get a GT3 RS and you can have a lot of fun. So that's really the gamut of the first cars to buy. And those cars are all very tunable, all very enjoyable. And even from the Miata where I've never had so much fun with the least amount of power, it's amazing and the support is, there are more Miatas racing in the world every weekend than any other brand car, which is amazing, right? Any other brand at all, Break it, make a model. And then on the Porsche side, man, the mid-engine came and is out of control. But in a true track car that is barely street legal, the GT3 RS, that is the ticket, you know? Have you heard of Motorworks Racing? No, I have not, William Payne. Oh, do tell, you know? My pleasure indeed, London Chasers. My pleasure indeed. Cut them off, BC, says Dbiglonda FUK12. Cut them off. I would believe the data before I believe most tuners. Yeah, you know, I don't, it's so weird. Um, I think the argument that some people made is that BC, seasoned tuners have been saying this. Seasoned 10th gen tuners. Um, I've tuned a ton of 10 gens. I don't have to post every video I do. I'm not active on Facebook pages because I actually work. I don't have time. I think some people get mad at me saying, BC, why are you not responding so quickly? You're quiet now. Well, I actually work. I, I'm here, I'm working. This is my time with you guys, my family. And above and beyond that, um, seasoned tuners, I've seen a lot of tunes come here. I think I did a recent thing about e-tunes and how they're such rubbish um, and how you cannot optimize things and people try, those same e-tuners are arguing with me about how, yes, oh no, you, you don't need a dyno to optimize. No argument there, but as I ask for data to explain, because I want to learn, I want to learn how you can optimize cam timing and emission timing without an absorption device. I want to learn, teach me, and they start calling me names. Which is, you know, so I feel taken advantage. So I have two different cars, 9th gen, 10th gen, 8th gen, 7th gen, 6th gen. We're now talking about 11th gen. I was part of the development team. I'll be part of the new development team. I guess someone who tunes what we created is better than the people who created it. Whatever. Whatever. Anyway, um, do you do any tuning for BMW, for the N54 motors? So concept motoring, I do have canned flashes for those. 
Um, but BMW is not a very strong point for a CRBC model. But if you want something where you can have a nice can tune, I can help you with that. Um, at least you like my Type R hobbies. I do very much, sir. Very, very much so. Thank you, Mi Mikey Martinez. Good thing indeed. If you were to do a uh, build, would you guys, what car would you suggest? If you would do a build W, oh, please ask me that again, London. Please ask me again, because I wasn't quite clear. I wasn't quite clear at all. I've been waiting for an extended tune next month. Good, see? Fantastic. I'm sorry I have to shut down. I just have to catch up. It's so, just, I'm gonna turn around here, forgive me guys, and just look at some of the builds here. The Audi R8, that, there's a blue, there's a blue 991.2, 2020 with 3,000 miles right here on the, on the lift. Um, there is the um, white 356 right there as well. There's a silver 930 outside that maybe just put out there a moment from now. There's the blue one that John's been working on quite a bit, blue EG. That, there, just so much going on, I, just no fun for me. No fun. And then even with this thing, it's demanding some attention for me to optimize. You guys are asking for videos and all that fun stuff, so I have to keep going. You know. What does it mean to be involved in part of a development team? Does it involve producing feedback or direct involvement with the project? Both, Williams. Um, believe it or not, we do have to sign a lot of NDAs. And I do that not only with American Honda, I do that with Hyundai as well. Where prior to a car coming to market, put it this way, a revenue stream for us here is being able to develop components, because a lot of OEMs outsource some of that stuff. It's more cost effective for them to do that. Developing an engine program or strategy here and then buying that technology from us. So it's a good revenue stream from us. So in the case of the, and I hope, I need to check with legal to make sure I can even talk about this, but the one thing about um, the tension is that we were involved prior to his inception. Even Duran was here, he went to a, we went to a 10th gen launch where the car was a roller, the inside shell was LX automatic, it was an SI outside, and the inside was like full of like boxes, if you looked at it, it wasn't even, and then the Type R, we were in a warehouse, and Brian from Hasport was there, and so was RJ Devera. We were in a warehouse in Long Beach, where the Type R was unveiled two years prior to it hitting the US market. But we were able to see the car and we couldn't talk about it and we were getting feedback. So not only from a marketing perspective, on technology perspective and involvement, all the way down to um, telematics, to ECU control, to tuning strategies, to making the car tunable. That's what we were talking about yesterday. I had a meeting with American Honda yesterday morning at um, 10 a.m. We are talking about what would be the future of the 11 gen. What could we incorporate? And some of the feedback I gave was a Digital Dash, all the newer cars, exotics in particular, since we're going more to a, a Euro theme. Um, a digital Dash is one that would be very nice. And don't be surprised, and I think it already happened, don't be surprised if they really bring a digital Dash. And that's based on input from here. Um, incorporating the wing. The wing is kind of detached, kind of looks weird. Imagine incorporating the wing to the deck lid of the vehicle itself. That's all the kind of feedback that engineers, builders, designers provide a manufacturer to make sure they hit the, the, the nail on the head when it comes out. So. I really don't understand, and, and before people talk, why don't you look at the history and interaction with the people you're interacting with and find out what they're about. People don't just come up, oh, um, Chris, you get a kick out of this. So um, some of the people who are attacking me on some posts are saying that I'm trying to get popular and clout. See, Chris is a uh, product manager for AEM. He's known me for many years. It's been a very instrumental to my success. Clout, popularity, I, I, don't, I don't even know what that means. It's, it's really... Instead of, here's what, here's what I, I value as an engineer. Guys, I value if you have an opposing argument to data I put out, provide me the counteracting data and let's have a discussion. I love debates like that. Um, if I don't agree with something you say, 
my response is not idiot, stupid, dumbass. I, I don't, I, that's not my response to you. I don't even know when that became a thing. But I, seem, I never see that with these fields. In the Porsche world, um, a lot of us have varying opinions. I mean, some Porsche people would just cry that I put CAN bus and drive-by-wire on a 935. But they won't call me names about it. Say, hey, BC, why did you do that? And like, oh, I never thought of that. That's a pretty good idea. Or I don't agree with that. I like kind of keep it old school. And it's very respectful banter back and forth. But these sport compact people, these e-tuners, they're very rude. I blocked one from my feeds because he was just using vulgar language. My own family watches my feeds. And I don't want my father and mother seeing someone saying F you, F you. That's, well, how are you raised? I mean, where did you come from? It's pretty silly, you know? <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson, of course. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. I'll take that as a compliment. Okay, so Chris is here. He's standing right next to me. What I'm going to do, I'm going to sign off. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of BC More Tech Tuesday. I'm going to come back in again. We're going to walk around the 935 with Chris, and we'll see what makes this thing tick, okay? Talk to you soon. Stay safe. Feel free to go in on my YouTube channel. Subscribe. Hit that notification bell. This will also be downloaded on the very popular podcast networks, Google Podcasts, um, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, Podbean, all that fun stuff. Just search for Bisimoto and you can hear this and not hear too much of the guy cutting grass behind me. <laughs> Take care, everyone. See you in a few moments. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye, Kevin. <laughs>